Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome. To the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cube realist. The show is one in which I pour forth from my mind, such as it is, all the media I have consumed. And let me say, goddamn a lot of it in this one, in this particular sode, as some people call episodes, they call them sodes, I hear. So it's a cool kids, uh, I, I think, did at one point. Uh Something else I should say at the top of every show, which I have failed to do recently for some reason, probably a certain lackadaisical attitude, is that I should warn that the possibility exists you may not have consumed some of this media yourself, and I don't want to ruin it for you, is the word that took me way too long to figure out how to say there? No. So I warn of that possibility, folks. Uh, oh god, I was gonna say, we're gonna try to do this quick today, but every time I say that, it never happens, so I'm not going to say it. I'm instead going to push this button. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Pennywise Pound Foolish Financial Planning. Thank you for that sponsorship of this movie monologue in which I have a crap ton of movies because I, uh, excuse me, sort of skipped a week of recording, so got a bit of a backlog, which you know what, uh, just sort of behind the scenes on that note. Um, I haven't skipped a week in recording for a long time, which, uh, was interesting because I used to, on a somewhat regular basis, it's just because I've got this down to such a science, um, that it's so easy to do, that it, it's, it almost just flows like a delicious honey. Yep, that's what I'm saying. That is a sentence that I just said. Delicious honey. It, chapter two from 2019. 27 years after the first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, the Loser Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. Yeah, so if you read the book, as I did, or saw the first, uh, uh, I guess, was it a, a made-for-TV movie? I'm pretty sure it was, uh, based on Stephen King's uh, uh, book, It. Uh, this is where the adults get involved and they have to come back and, uh, destroy this evil clown in quotes, evil, not in quotes, clown in quotes. Uh, it's 
it was okay. Um, I, I was very interesting to see, uh, having not known anything going into it, other than the sort of, you know, whole story from reading the books and seeing the first movie, uh, who was going to play the stars, the, uh, the, the, the grown-up. So we've got Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, am I getting them all? Jane, I don't know which one. James Ransone. Andy Bean, Bill Skarsgård, well, he's he's the the titular it. <laughs> titular it is fun to say, so I said it twice. Yeah, this one didn't blow me away. I I think maybe compared to the first one. Uh, okay, here's a theory that I just came up with. Literally the second, the fact that in the first movie it's kids um, is a little scarier than because you're sort of as with a lot of movies or any movie question mark um you're sort of in the you're putting yourselves in the situation that the main characters are from your sort of watching perspective you're like whoa what if that what if that was me now when it's kids you're thinking oh man if i was a kid and all this was happening to me it'd be horrifying now if you were an adult you're like oh if i was adult i would probably just leave <laughs> which uh, is a thought that crosses their minds to the uh, stephen king's credit or the writer's credits, uh, if it's different from the book, I can't remember. Um, there is often talks of just leaving, just getting getting out of Dodge, but uh, in the end, they, you know, persevere and win and whatever, who cares? Uh, and that's sort of my issue with this, that it's, it's not as impactful as the first one. Uh, I, I feel like perhaps it's the time between uh, watching the first and the second, Maybe if I watch them back to back, which uh, maybe I'll do at one point, we'll do a comparison of the old version and this. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, it, it just it didn't blow me away compared to the first one. So rating wise, it's fine. Two point nine. Yeah. Eh. Moving on to three thousand miles to Graceland from two thousand one. A gang of ex-cons robs a casino during Elvis Convention Week, starring none other than Kurt. Russell and Kevin Costner. Also got Courtney Cox, who I forgot was in this. Uh, Kevin Slater, Kevin Pollock, David Arquette, John Lovitz. A lot of names. Ice T, for example. Uh, it's a heist movie. It's a, a, a got some romance in there. It's some comedies. Uh, I feel like um, Kevin Costner in this plays a, a good bad guy. Good good kind of an uh, uh, evil little crazy uh kurt russell I, I don't know if i've ever seen a kurt russell that movie that i didn't love uh, he's one of my favorite actors just period uh rating wise this is probably a second or third viewing over the years if i had to guess mm -hmm. i'll go a 3.9 i don't know if it quite hits that um four point zero mark but uh it, it's a good movie it's it's a good dumb actiony heisty uh interesting it's definitely interesting crime is king it says here on the poster so that's something as well moving on to bill nye colon science guy a famous television personality struggles to restore science to its rightful place in a hostile in a world hostile to evidence and reason yeah that I'll tell you what, that explains this world pretty well. Hostile to evidence and reason. 
Oh, sad. And this movie will make you sad when you see how dumb a lot of people are. <laughs> also, it um, uh, goes into Bill. Like, there, there's some moments where there's some darkness, definitely, in Bill. Which is interesting to see. That, that you don't... Like, it, it seemingly doesn't shy away from that, which was which was interesting. Um, Rating-wise, oh, you know what? We are doing these at a good clip, which I was hoping. Um, I, I go a solid four, um, maybe closer to a five if you're a fan of Bill Nye, which I am. So, you know, take that rating with grains of salt. Uh, from 2018, we're moving on to Crazy Rich Asians. Finally got to see it. Uh, yeah, this has been on the radar of movies I really want to see for a long time, seemingly, since 2018. Uh, so finally uh, got it, watched it with the missus. We loved it. Needless to say, uh, the contemporary romantic comedy... Yeah, I guess it is more of a rom-com, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, does it fo yeah, I was going to say, does it focus on the rom so much? I suppose it does. Yeah, okay. Based on the global bestseller... Oh, it was based on a book. <laughs> I'm dumb. Uh, didn't even know that. Follows native New Yorker Rachel Chu to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family, which apparently in Asian cultures is a bit of a thing. Um, and, and that leads me to a question I have, which I think from all the interviews and, and people I, I've heard spoken highly of this, um, my question is, how accurate is this in terms of um, the reactions of like the, the parents to... Uh, basically, just to break it down, uh, this, 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 the, the main girl is just sort of like a, a normal girl. She, she has a job as a professor... Uh, she's not super rich. She wasn't raised in a in a in a royally rich family or anything. She's just sort of a normal girl, uh, but she's uh, in love with this guy who's like part of uh, a, a super old rich family from uh, from this part of the world, and uh, comes with all the baggage that that entails. So, uh, are the reactions of the parents like? Does this thing? Uh, I guess this is just sort of the night very I, uh, I'm very naive in a lot of things and and one of the things is that does this sort of thing still happen I suppose like is this accurate that families would find out that the their son's girlfriend is not from a rich family and then not like her because of that fact it, it just seems strange, but I, I, I guess I've never been in situations like that. Uh, hence the saying, I'm naive. Uh, Rating-wise, 4.2. Moving on to Bikram colon Yogi Guru Predator. Hmm. This is a Netflix documentary. Uh, tracing from his rise in the 1970s to his disgrace in accusations of rape and sexual harassment in more recent years, Bikram, this weird-looking dude, who uh, the inventor, quote-unquote, kind of, sort of, maybe not really, according to this documentary, of uh, hot yoga. I've never done yoga, and I've also never done hot yoga. But it looks like not a lot of fun and being in this class doubly so if you're a woman apparently because he's a bit of a monster uh scary to behold this movie it will not make you feel good uh it will uh, uh, sort of fortify the fact that uh, men in positions of power uh just watch out for them 
period, full stop, because they're quite often horrible people. Uh, yeah, so uh, not great to watch. Watch this one with the misses in a while. But uh, it's still good in terms of, you know, a documentary with an interesting subject that opens your eyes to things like this, which I think uh, is sort of, in general, important. So, uh, rating-wise... I think I'll just go three for the reason that uh, three is enjoyed while watching but wouldn't watch again. And I don't think I would want to watch this again. Not because it's a bad movie, just because it doesn't make you feel good <laughs> uh, about human beings. Hmm, sadness. Uh, not similar to our next movie, 42 Grams from 2017. 42 Grams is an intimate portrait of how Chef Jake Bigglehop. <laughs> B-I-C-K-E-L-H-A-U-P-T. Bucklehaupt. Evolved from running an illegal restaurant... Oh, I didn't know it was illegal. Restaurant out of his home to being a culinary celebrity in less than a year and the toll it takes on his personal life, uh, including, spoiler, uh, divorce, which it says at the end of the film. Uh, yeah, this guy's a bit of a maniac. And uh, you, this movie starts out one way and then... Uh, I am curious, very, very curious, Sim not dissimilar to my curiosity of Crazy Rich Asians, uh, if it was accurate, uh, as I was saying before, was this movie started out to be a film about this guy and sort of the excitement of this sort of transformation, uh, but then it went into his sort of darkness and his assholery and the fact that seemingly everyone around him he treats like total garbage uh watch this with the missus as well and we were both sort of shocked and dismayed yeah not just shocked not just dismayed but shocked and dismayed to uh, see like how he treated the people around him who were working for him or helping him or his wife yeah <laughs> like a couple of times I, re I remember turning to the missus and just asking like what would you do if i talked to you like that because it's it was disgusting yeah that's probably a good way hence the shock and dismay basically so uh not dissimilar to the uh, bikram one um interesting to watch but was not going to make you feel good i guess uh, in terms of you watch this and be like oh god i'm glad i'm not like this monster um then there's the weird part at the end so a lot of it is the build-up to will he or will he not get a, a michelin star rating um if you're unfamiliar with that uh where have you been on your rock i'm not going to get into it here plus we're we're doing this quick t this week right um uh, i went back and forth like he's a monster so i didn't want him to get it like i didn't want good things to happen to him <laughs> basically as horrible as that sounds but then there's the fact that i realized if he didn't get it he is not going to treat his wife or those around him better so maybe just maybe if he wins his michelin stars uh he will like sort of have that and be like okay now i can start you know being a nice person now that i have this uh that's probably again that naivety naivety na naivety Mm -hmm. I mentioned before, that's probably just what that is, because I bet uh, the the fact that he won, and then in the sort of closing credits of the movie, uh, he said he got a divorce and the restaurant closed. So probably it did not fix him, I suppose we will say. Folks, that was a lot of movies.
Today's television talk sponsor is a Wiccan dating app I see called Witches and Warlocks. Fascinating. Okay, we are doing, as I believe we have done for every American Horror Story uh, apocalypse. Uh, I mean, every American Horror Story season, we're going to talk about the most recent one titled Apocalypse. Rather, is the sentence I meant to say and yet did not. Uh, okay, so first and foremost, rating 5 out of 5. Well, okay, let me preface that. In terms of all the American Horror Story seasons, this was my favorite. So, of them, it gets a 5 out of 5. Of just a normal, regular, everyday TV show, comparing it to that, uh, you know, 4. 4 and change, even, sometimes. Uh, because it did... What uh, I, 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 I and I think others hoped th uh, would eventually happen in a combined past seasons into sort of one thing. Uh, I think it hit on points of all seasons. The only one I can't remember was the Asylum one. Was there, or oh, I guess maybe the, the was there a political one? Maybe it didn't have that so much, but it did a bit, I guess. Or the Carnival one. Okay, so it didn't hit on all of them, I guess. But it did hit on a, lo uh, on a lot of them, which was fun. Uh, I, I did because, as you know, if you've listened to uh, talks of other ones, uh, I thought of having the Mrs. on to talk, but uh, if uh, it came up in the last couple episodes, I mentioned she recently broke her pelvis, which is not a fun thing. So getting her down here to record would have been difficult. So instead, I forced her basically at gunpoint, although I don't have a gun or do I? Um, to uh, give me some notes <laughs> on what she thought of it. She says uh, she likes how it connected this one with other American Horror Stories. Oh, that's what I just said. Uh, I would say this was... I would say this one was not... This one? I would not say that this one was scary at all. Mm, yeah, I suppose that's true. There wasn't too many scary moments. Overall, I would give it a 7. Oh, I'm going to kill her. Now I am going to kill her. She gives it a 7 out of 10, and she knows full well this is a 5 out of 5 rating scale. So what is that, a 3.5? God damn it. Okay, well, normally I've been uh, bringing her meals because that's easier than her going up and down the stairs. So basically, with her forgetting that this is a, uh, a household that rates things out of 5, I am going to have to skip one. That will be the punishment god damn it uh my rating i already gave uh yeah we got some witches warlocks magic uh post-apocalyptic uh it's come up innumerable times on the podcast anytime there is post-apocalyptic anything game movie book doesn't matter i always love it for some reason uh this is no exception i i i you know, I've just realized, if you haven't seen previous American Horror Stories, I don't know if this is your jumping in point, just because there's a lot of connection to the old ones. Probably not. Um, probably the strongest connection it had was to, of course, the Witches episode uh, season, I mean, and the first season, which was the actual scary season, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with The Haunted House. So, you know, all things to take into consideration if you're going to watch American Horror Story Apocalypse. Moving on to... Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? But banter. 
Today's book banter sponsor is The Slaughter Town Butcher. Thank you for that sponsor. We're talking The Demonata, book three by Darren Chan. Yeah, we're chugging along through these. Uh, they're not uh, long. They're like 150, between 150, 200 pages, somewhere in there. Uh, this one is called Slaughter, S-L-A-W-T-E-R, which is a name of the fictitious town in which the movie is being shot that's this book revolves around yes uh sort of interesting um so the first two books uh and, and this one as well uh revolve around how demons actually factually exist and are trying to get from their realm to ours you usually can't do it sometimes they'll pop in for brief stints like at the set of this movie yes so the the give some spoilers away here the 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 writer director creator of this movie showrunner uh, movie runner, I guess, if it's a movie, um, decided that w wanting to have believable demons in her horror movie meant she was going to get actual demons. What an idiot. So ma made a deal with, made a deal with the devil, basically, to have them come in. And, uh, of course, crap goes awry and they end up trying to kill everyone and, uh, you know, it's not good. It's a bad scene, man. <laughs> but uh, it sort of took a different stance on it, like a uh, uh, compared to the first two. So, uh, so I enjoyed that rating wise. I'll go like a solid three to some cool four moments, and 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 the premise is a four. And uh, overall, I I did enjoy it. Um, it it's I, I find that happens with series like these that are sort of I think focused maybe on a younger audience, like uh, people. Uh, and what was the other one I have? Uh, it was one where it was like the kids were in a school to learn how to be evil masterminds. What was that one called? I forget. But uh, I almost feel it's like people saw uh, uh, Harry Potter and then tried to build different scenarios around having a child have their parents killed um, and, and then revolving fantastical stories around that as a premise. Mm, that's kind of what this is a little bit. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, and uh, I have enjoyed these, but the reason I bring it up is because I feel like uh, every time I start a series that revolves around that as a sort of general uh, backbone of your story, uh, I, I like them a lot at first, and then it's sort of as I read them and find the similarities between the books, it, it turns into... Uh, like, I like them less and less, I, I, I feel like, and maybe that's what's happening here. I, I think I'll go to number four. I think there's like six of them. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end. Let's say that and move on. Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Ernest's Boat Repair. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, going to be doing a little bit different thing today in this game, Gavin. Have a D&D &D recap, which is not unusual. However, I uh, recently played in a one-shot, or rather, I should say a two-shot, as we played uh, from uh, a Saturday and a Sunday. We played Saturday from about 11 till 8 at night, 
and then Sunday from about eight until noon. So it was a it was a couple of marathon sessions, as uh, they could likely be called. Uh, uh, my first time DM came back from uh, uh, Ottawa, where he had moved or, or thereabouts, um, for his birthday, and decided he wanted to run a couple of games. So obviously, I hopped on board. And this is the recap of those sessions. The other sort of experiment uh, uh, I'm doing here is normally I uh, fully write up the recaps as if they are sort of a little story or a journal entry or what have you here. I just have my notes from the session and um, I'll just sort of go through them point by point and uh, we'll see what comes of that. I don't know if it's going to work. It's possible it won't. So there. Uh, okay, so we have uh, uh, three players. Uh, I played a, a, a Mountain Dwarf Storm Barbarian, which is pretty fun. His name was Zeus Rumblebelly. Uh, he, it was an interesting character because he sort of had a, a connection to storms and lightning and stuff like that, and was also a barbarian. And, uh, well, a dwarf. Uh, then we have the uh, Gnome Artificer uh, uh, oh, Robin was uh, her name played uh, by uh, Scott uh, and then we have a human rogue Finch Adenel played by Scott's brother oh uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying names I don't know uh, okay so uh, story starts with oh and that was something the DM did very well I thought was um, created a Facebook event and had us all in it and then uh, used that to sort of as we neared the sessions, uh, used that to dump a lot of lore in there and sort of uh, get us uh, interested in how the story was going to start and stuff like that. So uh, that, that's a good DM tip in general, actually. Um, if there's things you can do pre or between sessions that will uh, both be not needed uh, in your actual session and also help to keep people interested, you know, best of both worlds there, I think. Uh, so pre-story stuff. Uh, so we meet with headmaster Schwarshi, Squarshy, uh, who sends us to the unseen city for a rod of diamond, uh, which we needed in order to stop, uh, uh, tears in the world from opening to some hellish dimension that was going to swallow up everything so this was a, a truly epic um we have to succeed on these missions or all will be destroyed type scenario we weren't messing around basically uh so we made our way through the city where there was like uh, fires and rioting as people were sort of finding out that the world was potentially ending uh <laughs> i remember we tried to uh disperse them a little bit uh finch uh finch at Adonel. He was a very pacifistic uh, human rogue, so didn't want to hurt anyone, whereas I was like just basically running up and punching people in the face because I was a barbarian. And I'd never really played a class like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just on that note, uh, the note of barbarian. Uh, first time I'd ever played a barbarian. Uh, had a lot of fun doing so. Uh, felt very, very powerful at times. Uh, but uh, it's something I enjoyed in a one-shot. I don't know if it's something I would enjoy in a longer campaign. Like, I, I really did uh, feel like I would miss the use of magic. Like, I like playing magic users because there's so much you can do with spells and stuff like that. Whereas here, it's mostly running around and punching stuff, which is fun for the short term, but in a long-term campaign. I, I don't know how much fun I would have necessarily. But, uh, but I did have a lot of fun. Anyways... 
Uh, crowd dispersal key. Da, da, da. Oh yeah, someone uh, tried to steal our boat. <laughs> we were uh, level ten too. So this was basically like commoners, maybe little fighters. So we rush up on them, uh, trying to steal our boat and just demolish them. Uh, they had use of the ballista though on the boat, so that was a little uh, dicey. Also, uh, Finch trying not to murder them made it a little more difficult as well. Uh, boat checks. Oh yeah, uh, I chose a pirate background, and my sort of back story in general revolved around uh, love of boats, and 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 my sort of barbarian primal rage came out during a storm, and that's why I was a storm barbarian. Um, so I had an advantage on all bolt handling checks, which came in handy quite often. Uh, so we, uh, fly. Yeah, because these are flying boats. Well, they can do both. They can go on the water, but they mostly fly. Um, to a, uh, abandoned city. Uh, there's a slime door. I'm just reading my point form notes. Let's see what, uh, uh, jars, memory, magic, fire, death. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Uh, trap door, inscribed door. Eris, answer, library, oh yeah, there was a puzzle, oh yeah, that was a goddamn hard puzzle, um, I, I didn't write it down here, but it was, the answer was Eris, don't tell anyone, that's a spoiler, uh, library, oh yeah, uh, so we went to get the rod from this guy, and apparently ogres had attacked him, also trying to get the rod, oh yeah, the rod itself was, uh, was, was going to be used to seal these rifts, and the DM brought, like, uh, one of his kid's toys, I think it was, uh, that was a sort of, you push a button and it would, like, uh, spin up and, like, light up and stuff. So that was pretty good. So that, that's another good uh, DM tip is to sometimes use some props. It don't hoit. Uh, so we beat the ogres. Oh, the ogres uh, were also had an oni with them. The first time I've ever fought an oni, so that was pretty cool. It was basically like a magic using ogre. Uh, so we return with the rod... Um, because we don't know what to do with it or where to go with it, which seemed a little short-sighted on our account. Um, we decide that while we're waiting for things to pop off, basically as we're deciding <laughs> what to do until the world ends, we decide to build up our boat. So uh, we sort of go around uh, to various boat places and try to get a, a new ballista because that was destroyed and, and maybe some armor on our on our ship and things of that nature uh we stopped some ruffians from beating up Ernest, uh, the beloved npc dwarf who helps us with our ship um mafia run warehouse yes hundreds of black birds what hundreds of black birds come oh yeah so these weird bird things sort of came from the north were attracted by um where this rift was opening is at least that's what we presume so we sort of followed them uh uzak oh yeah we captured one of the ogres uh and chained him in our yeah because that was uh, uh the boat was run by i was usually because of my i was the, it was the boat i owned so i was the captain um so i was usually steering uh someone was navigating and someone was down below like shoveling uh or, or whatever kept the engine going uh, shoveling coal let's say um he wasn't that strong like i was the strongest one but i was also the one with the best boat handling so i kind of needed to be up top 
Um, so we <laughs> captured an ogre and like chained him to the engine and he wasn't too happy. We tried to make it better for him. Like I bought him a, a painting of a boat to put in his little quarters down there, but he burnt it in the engine. So, uh, when he did that, I threw him overboard because I wasn't too happy about that. Uh, anyways, um, uh, burning banner. Oh yeah. We found a, a banner that was just continually burning. That was interesting. I wonder if that was a, an actual mani magic item. It was like a piece of cloth that just would continue to burn no matter what. Um, so we would keep it in a, uh, a locked iron box. So, uh, we could do like smoke signals with it. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, dark line in the sky. Oh yeah. So eventually a, a line in the sky opens and, um, we, decide apparently foolishly that uh, what we're going to do is point this rod at it and set it off but what actually happens is we point it at it and rather than close the rift it makes it bigger so that was kind of dumb and i also felt like we had no idea what to do which was <laughs> dumb on our part but also i didn't know where we could have got the information for what to do with this rod like nobody knew there was oracles who told us um, all this was going to happen, but they were light on the details, let's say. So I always felt like we were a couple steps behind, which was a little frustrating. Um, so made the hole bigger. Uh, eventually, um, we sort of land on an active volcano, which explodes in like this black oozy stuff. And uh, the, the, the big bad comes out, which was, I think, uh, based on a demon that actually exists in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, at least its mini was. Uh, that was a tough fight. Um, at one point, I think I wrote it down here, dark rift, Swirsky, falls flesh. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, at one point I had cast on my barbarian character heroism, which I actually needed because, um, this demon thing, whatever it was creepy to behold, um, had an, uh, a 10 foot aura around it that if you were in it, you would have to do wisdom savings, uh, saving throws or be scared of it. My wisdom was pretty low, so I kept failing it. Uh, so I couldn't get up close. And if you're a barbarian and can't get up close and hit things, you're pretty useless. So luckily, uh, 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 Robin, the artificer, cast heroism on me, which uh, made me immune to fear. So if we didn't have that, we probably would have died. Um, I also had this war paint that uh, it was like magic war paint that uh, gave me uh, t uh, regeneration every round and plus two to my AC. So I had that on. Then I also had enlarge cast on me. So I was uh, uh, one size larger, which gave me extra damage die. Uh, and also advantage on saving, uh, strength saving throws and attack uh, and such. It gave me an extra damage. Uh, then I had haste cast on me. So I, I had extra attacks and actions. So it was like zooming around uh, super large. Well, I, uh, I was eight foot tall instead of four foot tall. Um, but imagine a giant dwarf, which is an oxymoron, uh, super fast, covered in war paint, uh, heroism in a rage. My rage uh, with this character meant that like lightning would crackle around me and I could sort of delect uh, right lightning attacks during my rage. So it was it was pretty fearsome to behold, needless to say. And and uh, oh, did I write it down? I did one uh, one round. I did uh, sixty five damage. There was uh, once where I did forty one damage with one hit. Uh, that was a crit hit, needless to say. So he was uh, he was very powerful.
and, it, and and that part was fun that that feeling of of, of just sheer uh, power that I've never really felt with a character in terms of hitting things anyway. So uh, that was fun. Uh, eventually, we uh, get this thing uh, sort of situated near the rift and punch it in and, you know, beat it down. And, and it's a tough fight and he's got lots of cool abilities. Uh, but eventually we get him in there and set off this rod once more while he's in there and it sort of seals up around him. Presumably sending him back to wherever he comes from. Folks, we did it. We defeated the evil for all time. Today's Internet Intergore sponsor is Pringles Dick. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item the first, the final Harmontown. Ah, oh, sadness. Uh, I've been a, uh, not a day one listener, but a day like 10 listener. Like I, I was, uh, and I did go back and listen to the first ones anyway. So, uh, so I was there pretty, pretty early on. Um, and, and it's going to be missed. It's, uh, it, it's, Whenever there's a, a weekly thing that is part of your weekly life, your weekly routine, and it is suddenly not there anymore, uh, it's going to be a thing that you miss. And this uh, was very much that. Uh, Dan Harmon, I've often thought, uh, uh, reminded me of, uh, I've said to the missus, uh, he, he, this is my dad, <laughs> basically. Like, uh, he could be my dad. Uh, other than the age is not quite working out, me being, you know, 38. I think 37, 38 years old. Uh, other than the math not quite working out, the, the amount of uh, similarities is eerie. So, uh, hearing him and Spencer and Jeff and and the whole gang over there uh, always brightened my day. And uh, to have it be over, very very sad. Um, there's been other podcast endings, but uh, I feel like none sort of as epic as this. Am I wrong in saying that? I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of don't feel like I am. And there is a lot of feels uh, revolving around its ending. Um, Jeff and Spencer did and have hinted at the possibility of either a different podcast or this one continuing on a in a different form or, or, or something that will still happen. So I, I, I hope it's not just overdone, never to come back. And that's the other thing. Uh, with this sort of thing, it, it, just because it's done now doesn't mean it's done for all time. The podcast, I, I, I believe, can come back. You know, no one says I can. The, the, the rules of podcasting are, are, are few and far between, and, and none of them say that you can't bring a podcast back should you wish to. So there's always that, uh, that hope and thought. And uh, thank you to, uh, to them for all the good times over the years, basically. That's what I'm saying. Moving on to Tiger Belly, episode 224. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this was an interesting one because... Um, uh, what's, his, what's his nuts? <laughs> uh, let's close some of these windows. Um, uh, Bobby... Yeah, Bobby. Forgot his name for a second. Duh. Uh, spoke of uh, just recently returning from a rehab, which was interesting because, uh, you know, his his father recently passed away and there was some manicness you could even feel through the podcast. So the fact that uh, his, like, 30-plus years or something of sobriety was broken, uh, maybe not necessarily surprising, to be honest. Uh, you, could, you could sort of sense, 
even just being a listener to a weekly podcast of his that things were brewing potentially uh so so sort of interesting to hear about that hear about his experiences um and, and what i was most you know what i think i was most surprised about of the whole thing was that it was uh not like booze or or like hard drugs that had brought him back there but it was pot and you, you think oh well big deal he was smoking a lot of pot who cares but uh Kalila, his uh girlfriend and basically wife kind of sort of kind of sort of um spoke of the he he wasn't like a normal pot user even someone who's addicted to pot like he was smoking eating edibles like it was to such a a, 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 a strange manic uh incredibly needy degree that it obviously was not a good thing for him it was obviously a, a hindrance to his life uh, and he just sort of like, not to use the crazy word, although as someone who has gone crazy, <laughs> feel like I can, uh, like he, he did it to a crazy degree. Um, so had to get help and, uh, and, uh, has done so and seemingly on the road to recovery and, uh, going through, uh, uh, talking about it, doing it openly on a podcast. Uh, I, I think people will listen to that people in similar situations and maybe hear things that remind them of themselves and seek help. So, you know, a good thing, a great thing. I love a thing, a podcast thing. Uh, moving on to bunny ears podcast. Oh, a new, uh, sort of tying it together a little bit, actually. Just in terms of these three podcasts, I, I meant to add more, but this is good that we didn't actually. Um, uh, this is uh, with host Macaulay Culkin, and uh, I listened to uh, a bunch of episodes. I listened to uh, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, Andy Richter, and Jeff Ross. Uh, the Will Wheaton one uh, in particular, I think, was one, and Jerry O'Connell as well. The Andy Richter and Jeff Ross ones were great. Um, they were just more uh, on the comedic side whereas the Will Wheaton and Jerry Connell got a little more serious uh, and delved into uh, like mental health issues and, and child star things, if you're unfamiliar with Macaulay Culkin somehow, which I suppose you could be of an age that is. Um, very, very interesting. And, and, and all of these, uh, Harmontown, Tiger Belly, and this new Bunny Ears podcast with Macaulay Culkin, although it's not new, uh, it's just I've just started listening to it, so new from my perspective. Uh, they all sort of reminded me why podcasting as a medium is one that I just love uh, because things happen on them that can happen nowhere else and it's it's really just like a, a peek into people's minds, a peek into people's souls, although I am an atheist so don't believe in that, but still, but still, I, I highly recommend you listen to all of those. They're way better than this one. Moving on. Wait. <laughs> Yes, somehow have a cleanup conversation at the end. Ah, I haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, occasionally, from time to time, which is what occasionally means. God damn it. 
I, I will have uh, stuff that just doesn't fit into the normal segments. So we'll do a little cleanup conversation. And lately, I've been throwing in the odd restaurant review, because why the hell not? Um, when I was at the uh, uh, birthday run D&D session uh, that I just read the recap, well, I didn't, I, I read some of the notes from the recap about earlier on in this very podcast, uh, we took a break and went over to the mall, which I haven't been to a mall in, I can't remember how long, uh, and went to the food court there, and I went to a Burger King. Yes, a Burger King. I, I don't know if it's just uh, in my area of uh, Ontario, Canada, but there's not that many Burger Kings. Like, I honestly, if I had to go to a Burger King right now, I don't know, other than this one, which is quite a hike away, like, the, the, there's not many around compared to other chains. Burger King is not big. Uh, I was going to say it's not big in Canada. Maybe it is in other places. It's just not big in, uh, uh, like, Toronto, uh, that sort of area. Um, yeah, so when when I saw one in this food car, I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I, I can't remember the last time I've had Burger King. Why don't I go over there and try it? And plus, I've been seeing the commercial for the Pulled Pork King lately, and it looked pretty goddamn delicious. And I'll tell you what, after eating one, it was. Oh. Also, uh, they have a side of uh, mozzarella sticks as an option instead of fries. So I wasn't really feeling the fries and uh, tried those. Also, very, very good. Could have been a little warmer. Could have been a little warmer, a little oozier. Might have been nicer. But other than that, very good. Top it off, cherry Coke. Fountain cherry Coke? Are you kidding me? Where do you get that? Nowhere I know. So uh, all in all, uh, Burger King in the food court of the Bramley City Center gets a four point. Uh, you know what? I'll give it a four. And then I'm going to give the girl who helped me a one. Uh, not a one out of five, but she gets, she bumps it up to a five is what I meant to say. Uh, that was kind of, uh, kind of nice and funny and, and made me feel good. And I hope it did her as well. It was, uh, obviously like, if not her first day, maybe her second day. <laughs> uh, so she didn't really know, uh, like, uh, what I asked for or what bus- buttons to push. Um, there was a girl on the cash beside her who was like, uh, helping her, uh, and like saying what to say and what to ask. So I'm pretty sure for first day, pretty for pretty sure first day, but despite being her first day, uh, I got everything I wanted, uh, paid, paid for it, uh, got out of there. She was very nice. Um, right before I left, I, I, I sort of leaned over and said, you did a very good job. <laughs> and she sort of like her, her smile, her whole face lit up when I said that. So, uh, and this was a very busy food court in general. And this particular stall, do you call it a solid food court? I don't know. Was crazy bit busy. It's like she'd been thrown to the wolves. Uh, sort of a, a shocked look on her face. <laughs> like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? So when I said that, and the smile she had uh, made me feel better, and I hope made her feel better that uh, her day was not going to be all full of horror of the public trying to get food from her. Oh, sadness. Folks, we did it. We did it. Uh, you know what? We end every episode by saying it's nice to be nice to the nice, and I have a feeling that girl was nice. And maybe she will p- pass that niceness on, because, as I said earlier, it's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. 
You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper